doing tonight? Doing good. All right. Man, it is so good to be speaking to the youth group one-on-one again. It seems like it has been forever, and I am pumped. But let me tell you, Justin and Sam have been doing a phenomenal job. Come on. They went above and beyond putting this camp together, and I'm not just saying that. They were ten times more organized than we were. They're doing awesome, and you need to thank them from the bottom of your heart. They're, they're amazing. So before we get started tonight, does anybody know the name of our youth group? Anybody know? What it, hold on. What is it? Okay, I'm just checking. All right, we get started now. Um, there's, you know, I have a few people that we're going to look at tonight. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I love to see people who are passionate about something. I mean, really passionate about something. I mean, really hungry for something. That makes, that draws me in and it makes me want to say, why are you so passionate about that thing? I want to know more about that thing that you're so passionate about. And we have a few videos that we're going to show back to back. The first guy, he's a surfer. Man, I love to surf. And this dude, he's so into it. He's got like his own language, okay? I might have to interpret afterwards. Let's roll that video. This dude loves surfing. Come on. You smack the lip, that means you cut back, get to the good part of the wave. When you get pitted is when the barrel goes over you and you see the light at the end of the tunnel and you I've rode some waves, but I've never gotten pitted yet. I'm still waiting on that day. I got my surfing shirt on tonight. You see the little surfboards? I love to surf, but not as much as that dude. Hey, let's roll the next video, and this shows you that you can get passionate about anything. That's passion. That is passion right there. These dudes love curling. Man, there was people crying. There was people, whatever that was, they were pumped up. But nobody is as pumped up as the last guy in this video. You may know him. He may be related to me, and he may be very passionate about hunting. (laughs) He loves hunting. He loves it. Hey, this is one of our (laughs) – I think we need a repeat. I think it was too quick. Hey, y'all give it up for Kata for letting me show that. (laughs) Sydney's Sydney's literally crying. (laughs) That was one of the home videos that we made as a kid. We were very strange. Very, (laughs) very strange. I came out as the deer later, and I had two smiley face antennas like this. We, hey, whatever, man. But let me tell you, all these videos, these guys are passionate. There's no mistaking that they are passionate. These people want to tell everyone about how passionate they are about surfing, about curling, about hunting. It doesn't matter what 
people think. It doesn't matter what they look like. They believe in what they are passionate about. The question tonight is, how much more passionate should we be about Jesus than those guys are about curling? Come on. Y'all didn't cheer on that one. Y'all didn't cheer on that one. Do you get more excited about the word being preached at youth or the spicy chicken sandwich combo you're going to get afterwards at Chick-fil-A? Come on. You get excited when you rattle off your order. I know mine. Spicy chicken sandwich combo, no pickles, add pepper jack, large fry, large sweet tea, buffalo sauce, red sauce, and Chick-fil-A sauce. And Sarah knows it too. Guys, if you can find a wife who knows your Chick-fil-A order, keep her around. That's wisdom because they love you. And they want to know your Chick-fil-A order, surprise you with Chick-fil-A. And be like, oh, Sarah, uh, you didn't know I like this sauce? Oh, I knew. I knew I got it for you, baby. Are you more excited about having your friends over to spend the night and play video games or making sure your friends know Jesus? Let me tell you, where, what you are passionate about is going to reveal where your heart is. Let me tell you, we need to wake up. We need to awaken. Tonight, I want to challenge ourselves. Will you do that tonight? Will you challenge yourself according to God's word? Can we be honest with ourselves tonight and see where we're falling short and see where we're measuring up? I feel like too many times we're just trying to get by. We're just trying to get ourselves to church. We're trying to get in the word every now and then. We're trying not to mess up. We're just trying to get rid of the shame in our lives. We're just trying to make sure we hold on to our salvation instead of being confident in who we are in Christ, instead of standing in our authority against the devil, instead of being passionate about growing closer to God, passionate about pursuing his anointing, and passionate about furthering his kingdom. We have let ineffective Christians become the new normal in our churches today. We are letting our fear, our shame, our sins, and our laziness cripple us. And God is not okay with that. I want to read a verse Justin Anthony read, 1 Corinthians 9.24. Do you not know that those do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. He said, we have to give it everything that we have. He said, everybody who's in the race is running. Everybody's running. You run to win. You run with all your might. And that is the only Salvation experience that God accepts. Christians have begun to play not to lose, but God says we must play to win. We must run to win. What do you mean Christians are playing not to lose? What are you talking about? I want to give you an illustration. There's one guy 
He loves football. You know, he watches it on TV. He's got a jersey. He likes football. And one day his mom says, hey, I surprised you. I signed you up for the high school football team. She says, Mom, I've never played before. What are you doing? She says, you need to play. You love football. And he, he goes out on the field, and he's just scared to death. In his mind, he's saying, oh, I, I do not belong here. What am I doing on this field right now? And he wants, just wants to crawl into a hole. And as he's playing, he's just playing in such a way that he doesn't mess up so that the other he won't let the other teammates down. He's playing in such a way and so that he just doesn't get yelled at by the coach. But he's so crippled in fear and in shame that he cannot be an effective player he is not adding anything to the team he's playing not to lose he's playing not to mess up instead of playing with confidence think of another guy he signs up for the team maybe he's not the best player on the team but he gets on that field and he's going to give it everything he's got he knows that he belongs there he knows that he knows the plays and whenever he goes on the field, he's going to play with confidence. And if coach says, hey, you need to do this different, I'm going to change what I'm doing. But I'm going to play with all my might. He may not be the best player on the team, but he will be an effective player because he's playing to win. He's playing with all of his heart. We are in need of Christians who are playing with all their heart, who are playing to win. And turning back is not even an option. I'm talking about good Christians who have good fruit in their life, Christians who are furthering God's kingdom, and Christians who are using their giftings. It is God's spirit in us that will give us confidence. It's God's spirit in us that will make us effective Christians. Tonight, I want to talk about that spirit, the spirit that he imparts into our life. Last night, Pastor Josh Payne spoke about Elisha, and I was struggling on what I needed to preach on and landed on this, anointed for a reason. We can put that up. And now it confirms that it is, this is what I needed to speak on because jo Pastor Josh set me up perfectly talking about not just standing by, not trying to write your own story, but let God write our story. Stand up in our anointing. He mentioned Elisha, and I want to speak on him for a couple minutes. Elijah was a prophet. He was a mighty man of God, did many miracles, amazing, amazing miracles. And remember, Pastor Josh talked about Elisha, and he was a man of God who was placed under Elijah. He traveled with Elisha. Elijah was mentored, Elisha. And one day the Lord spoke to Elijah, the prophet, and he said, your time is coming near. I'm going to take you into heaven. You remember the story? God's spirit came down like a chariot of fire and picked him up and brought him into heaven. So God had given him that word 
that I'm going to take you into heaven. But he didn't say when, so they pressed on in their journey. They came across a river, and this is what happened. 2 Kings 2.8. Now Elisha took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water. And it was divided this way and that, so that two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? At this moment, Elisha could have asked for anything. He could have asked for wealth, possessions. He could have asked for an iPhone 10 right now. He could have asked for a long life. He could have asked for anything in this moment. What does he ask for? Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit come upon me. Why did Elisha ask for this? Because he had seen with his own eyes the miracles that Elijah had performed. And he understood that Elijah was nothing special. The man, Elijah, there was nothing special about him. But there was something very special about his anointing. There was something very special about how he operated in that anointing, and he was passionate about having that same spirit on him so that he can be an effective Christian and that he can do things to the glory of God. Where your passion is is where your heart is. His heart was a desire for more of God's spirit in his life. The anointing of God is God's spirit imparted into your life. Something that wasn't there before is placed in your heart. Tonight, I want to talk about how to be an effective Christian, how to be an effective soldier of Christ, and how to play to win. And I have some points on how we need to do that. Number one, we must desire the anointing. We have to be passionate about the anointing like Elisha was. The problem is, I don't even know if we realize what that looks like. Mark 10, verse 46. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. They said, Bartimaeus, calm down. Bartimaeus, calm down. You're acting like a fool. You don't know what you look like right now. Verse 49, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and he came to Jesus. Jesus said, what do you want? Me to do for you, Jesus asked. Guys, it was obvious 
what he needed. It was obvious that he was blind, but Jesus asked him anyway because he wanted Bartimaeus to speak that out of his mouth. I'm blind, I need to see. My rabbi, the blind man says, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed down the road. He was healed because of his passion for a touch from Jesus. He knew that if I can only get to Jesus, if I can just get to Jesus and he imparts some of who he is into my life, I know I'm going to be all right. You need to write that down. If Jesus would just impart something of who he is into my life, I know I'm going to be all right. Change is going to come. If we don't desire, we won't receive. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If we hunger and thirst, we will receive. Point number two. Never move on without the Spirit. Exodus 33, this is just after the Lord had delivered the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, get going, you and the people you brought from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, I will give this land to your descendants. He's talking about the promised land. Listen to this. And I will send an angel before you to drive out all the ites. Next verse. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. You picking up what's going down right now. He's saying, I'm, I, my presence cannot be among you because if it were, I'm going to have to judge you. I'm going to send this angel ahead of you, but I'm going to have to remove my presence because I delivered you out of Egypt. I delivered you out of slavery. I parted the Red Sea, and then I closed it back over the army of the Egyptians I'm feeding you with manna. I'm bringing you to a promised land, and you're complaining and rebelling and whining. So obviously you don't want my presence. Obviously you don't care about me guiding you. Obviously you're not honoring the blessings that I'm pouring out on your life. And Moses pleads with the Lord one day. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land. But you haven't told me whom will you send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably upon you. If it is true that you look favorably upon me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. I like this part. 
everything will be fine for you. Come on. Everything's going to be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, do not make us leave this place. Moses said, if you're not coming with me, I'm staying here. Because Moses knows what it's like to try to do things on his own. Remember when he was back in Egypt, he was living like a prince in Pharaoh's palace. He found out he was a Hebrew. And he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. And he got mad and he said, I'm going to kill this guy. He killed him and then ran off into the wilderness on his own. And Moses said, I don't want to go back to that place. I know what it's like to do it on my own. I like what that song Defender says, so much better your way. So much better your way. Moses said, Lord, hey, if you're not coming with us, I'm staying here. Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. I repent for the people, but I'm not leaving without your anointing. Amen. Never move on without the Spirit. Number three, we must stand in our anointing. It's time that we take a stand as in our authority as Christians. We have to stop apologizing for the gospel. Stop apologizing for what the Bible says. Stop apologizing for who we are in Christ. Stop apologizing because we're different, because we follow Christ and His commandments. We have to say, Lord, I want to be a soldier for you. I'm ready to do things for you no matter what happens. Lord, I'm on your side. I'm ready to stand in my anointing. Romans 8, 11, I love this scripture. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Wrap your Mind around that. We can't even fully grasp that right there. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit in you. He said, this power is living inside of you if you are a follower of Christ. This anointing is inside of you. I have imparted This power inside of you. But why are we not powerful Christians? We're not standing in our anointing. Some of us are confused. We're confusing being timid and afraid with being humble. We're confusing being timid and afraid and being humble. What what, what are you talking about? Humility. As a Christian is knowing that you cannot do it on your own and it's not about you. That's humility. Fear and being afraid is not believing that God is going to be with you, not trusting that he's going to guide you, not trusting that it's him who's going to do the miracle, not trusting that it's going to be his words flowing out of your mouth. You're afraid, and so you don't stand in your anointing. Think of the football player. Think of the guy who, he he was afraid, he was timid. What's he going to do? Coach, 
hey, just, just sit me on the bench. Coach, I can't do that. Go, go, I'm a, go let somebody else go in. I'm going to sit on the bench. I don't belong here, and I'm going to watch the game. And trust me, Coach, I'm fine. You, how many of y'all ever said that to your coach? Just put me on the bench. Hey, you're, you're afraid. That's not humility. You're afraid to go in the game. Confidence is saying, Coach, I'm ready to go. Whatever you tell me to do, if you put me in the game, I'm ready to go. If you say take me out, I'm sitting on the bench. God, if you say, hey, go, I'm going to go. God, if you say stay, I'm going to stay. God, if you say, hey, get this out of my life, I'm going to get it out of my life. We're effective Christians when we stand in our anointing. I want to tell you a story of someone who was humble, but he stood in his anointing. I think I'm going to bring somebody up right here. Let's see. Blake, you're laughing. You come up. Come here. Give it up for Blake. I love you, Blake. That's your name, right? Yes. I've called a hundred kids by the wrong name this week. I apologize. Guys, this is David. Say, hey, David. Okay, David was a young shepherd boy. He's just a little run. He's a little guy. <laughs> Back then, being a shepherd was a lowly occupation. Okay? But David, was he was content where God had him. When he was a shepherd, when that was where he was at in his life, he was content. Did you know you wrote this psalm? He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. You wrote that, David. And he's just content. He's, he's writing his psalms, and he's where God had him to be. He was humble, but he wasn't a pushover. He stood in his anointing. Even when he was a shepherd boy, he understood, hey, God's placed me here. And what happens when a bear comes at you? What you going to do? You go, just choke it with his bare hands. What, what happens when a lion comes at you? You kill it. You kill it. Man, you kill it. Because they're coming against the position that God has placed you in. You're humble, but you stand in your anointing. While he was... A shepherd boy. He, he did everything. He was content. He was obeying his parents. He was doing right. He was content where he was. And when the moment arrived where he had to step up, he did that. One day, the prophet Samuel comes to your house. Your dad's Jesse. And he says, Mr. Jesse, I have good news for you. One of your sons is going to be the king over Israel. They're going to be the king of this entire nation. I'm going to anoint him as, as king today. And so you're still out in the field. Go behind that curtain over there. Go, go away. You're in the field. Don't look at anything. Look at me. Look at me. I'm watching you. Okay. Make a sheep noise. Yeah, he's watching... <laughs> I forgot he could do that. That's awesome. He's watching sheep over there. And the prophet Samuel says, bring me your sons. I want to look at them. And all of a sudden, Eliab, I think that's his name, Eliab comes up. He's the oldest son. And he must have just been like, Phew. 
just powerful looking because Samuel said, Lord, this must be him. This has got to be him. And the Lord said, don't look at the outward appearance. He went through David's, all seven of David's brothers, and the Lord said, nope, 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 nope. And, and the prophet Samuel said, Mr. Jesse, where's, th- this could not be all of your sons. He said, oh, I didn't even think about David. He's in the fields over there. You, you could, no, listen, you don't mean David. There's no way. He's like, and he's like, you, no, not David. He said, bring David to me. I want to see David. Come on, David. And he's humble. He's walking in. He's got the humble swag, hands in the pockets. You know what I'm saying? Samuel takes one look at him, and the Lord said, that's him. That's who I'm choosing. My anointing is on him. You can go sit down. Thank you, David. 1 Samuel 16, 13. So David stood there among his brothers, all his older brothers that were older and bigger than him. Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. I love that. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David in that moment. Something that wasn't there before was placed in his heart. And so what does David do after he's anointed king? Does he go to his brother and say, hey, from now on when I walk through the door, could you just bow down to me? You know, I'm not king yet, but I'm going to be. Kind of like Lion King. Can't wait to be king. Can't wait to be king. You know? That just came to me. I'm weird. No. he's, He's still staying humble. He's still obeying his parents. He's still saying yes, sir, to Mr. Jesse. And one day, he brings food to his brothers on the battlefield. He's serving his brothers. And what does he see? Who does he see? Goliath. He sees big, old, nasty, hairy Goliath saying curses against God. And he said, what are y'all doing? There's a whole army of God's people, why are we not going up to fight? What are, what are we thinking right now? I'm going to go fight this guy. I'm going to stand in my anointing. And so Saul, who is king, said, hold up, David. Whoa, if, you're, if you think you're going to go against that guy, I'm going to put you in some armor. Let me get you some armor out. I got this shiny armor. Let me put you in it. And David said, I, I can't move in it. This ain't going to work. I don't want this armor. What I want to tell you today, use your giftings. Don't try to be like anyone else. Don't look at everyone else in their armor and say, wow, I wish I had a set of armor. I wish I had a sword and a shield. I wish I looked cool like that. I wish that was my gifting. What I'm telling you today is use the weapon God has given you. What did David do? He took off the armor, and God said, pick up the sling. Pick up the five stones. Pick up the giftings that God has given you and use them. 
Don't get on social media and say, oh, look at this person, that person, that person, and look how awesome they are. I want to be like them. Oh, look at how uh, Sarah and Sam and all of them sing up on the stage. I wish I sung on the stage. Oh, look at how uh, outgoing so-and-so is. I wish I was outgoing, blah, 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 blah. And we compare ourselves to others. If God tells you to pick up the sling, pick up the sling with confidence because that's part of your plan. When he told Moses, he said, pick up your rod. He told Elisha, pick up the mantle. Pick up the weapon that God has given you in your life. Your giftings are your weapons against Satan. When it came time, David was playing to win. He wasn't crippled with fear or shame. He was an effective soldier of Christ, and he went and he cut off the enemy's head. He cut off Goliath's head. The Lord created David for that moment, but David had to stand in his anointing, and he had to use the giftings that God gave him personally. Each and every one of us was giving a gift and gifts that we are to operate in. You're given a personality. How you act was given to you. The Lord might want to shape that. He don't want you to be prideful. He don't want you to be so shy you can't go do nothing. But he, who you are, your DNA was made by God. John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. God did not anoint you to hide it in your heart and be ineffective. God anointed you for a reason. God anointed you to pick up your weapon and go and fight. He didn't anoint you just to fade away. That's number four. Never lose your hunger. Never fade away. You ever wonder why people get so fired up for Christ? They get in church, and, and, and they're in Passion Youth Group, and they get a bunch of friends. They have a group text, and they're sending out scriptures every day, and they're fired up for God, and two months later, they're gone. They, what, what happened? They lost their hunger. They lost their hunger. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say... Sarah says, hey, I'm picking up Kate Street for you tonight. Man, when I, when she, she's done that a couple of times for me. When I hear those words, there's something inside me that's like, whoa, I got tuna coming. This is incredible. Break out the soy sauce. I have my own chopsticks at home. I'm the avid sushi eater. But it's expensive. You can't get it all the time. You know what I'm saying? And so when she says, I'm bringing home sushi, I am pumped up. Okay, but she says, hey, it's going to be a couple hours, and then I'm, I'm going to pick it up, and I'm going to come home, and we're going to enjoy a nice dinner. Well, I'm in town, and I pass by a convenience store. Everybody say, uh-oh. I'm thinking in my head of one gas station 
Jordan knows. Yeah, we're ga- me, Jordan, and Caleb Dunn, we're gas station, like, just fanatics. We love it, okay? I'm thinking of this one gas station. It's on Ward Line. It's an Exxon, excellent gas station, okay? And in that gas station, is, is, there's something special, really special. There's a cake called Big Boy's Ooey Gooey Butter Cake, specifically in wedding cake flavor. It is fantastic. And then you get one of those cold coffees out the fridge. And let me tell you, if those two were on eHarmony, they would be a 100% match. Let me tell you, when you eat them, when you eat that cake and you drink that coffee, it's like, wow, something just, what have I been missing all my life? So I'm, I got sushi coming. Okay, but I go past the convenience store. I can pull in. I can get that in like two seconds, and I'll be back on the road. And should I? No. Okay, I'm going in. And I go get the cake. I get the coffee, and I eat it. Man, it was it was good. I'm not gonna lie, it was great. Then I get home, and Sarah brings home what I'm really waiting for, and I don't have an appetite for it like I I should have. I don't enjoy it like I should have. I don't hunger for it. I would have said, hey, break out the chopsticks. But now I'm like, oh, we can eat later if we want to. I'm not, you know, whatever. I've lost my passion. I've lost my hunger. Guys, you know where I'm going. There's so many things that we can please ourselves with that is quick and convenient, and we don't have to face persecution for it. Going after Christ takes the work It takes going down the narrow road, and it takes doing that with endurance in our life. We're not going to make it if we use up all our hunger on the things of this world. Hebrews 10, 32. I'm sorry, 37. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come. This is Jesus coming back to the, the earth, the second coming. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, if they fade away, if they lose their hunger, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition. That means sin. You're not of that who draw back. He's prophesying over these people. We are not of those who are going to draw back. But we are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. I'm prophesying over you tonight that you are not going to be of the ones who draw back, but that you are going to fight the fight, you're going to run the race, and you are going to hunger for God all of your days. Amen. I want to look at 2 Kings 22. I want this to be said about me. 2 Kings 22, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adiah from Boscath. He did, that's what I need you to look at, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. Leave it up. He did not fade away. He did not 
lose his hunger, his appetite for the things of God and the Spirit of God. He stayed the course. And what I want us to do tonight, I want to replace our name with he. You got it? I want you to say Nick. I want you to say Ty. I want you to say Audrey. And I want this to be said of us. Okay, on the count of three, we're going to replace our name and then we're going to read the scripture. One, two, three. Josh did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. Josh did not turn away from doing what was right. We're prophesying over our life, saying, I am not going to turn away, but when it's all over, that is what is going to be said about me. And in 2 Kings 23, 25, this is what was said about Josiah as he died. Never before has there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the law of Moses. And there was never, there's never been a king like him since if you are effective soldiers of Christ, if you don't lose your hunger, if you don't move on from his presence, we're going to leave a legacy. We are going to leave a legacy behind. I want the band to come up and begin to play. Guys, we can be known for many things, but what are they going to say at your funeral? If the Lord doesn't come back, we're all going to have that moment where we're lying in a casket. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear that because we are giving our lives to Jesus and we get to spend an eternity in heaven. Amen. It's going to be much better than this life. The only thing that matters is if they say this about you at your funeral. If you are a follower of Christ... If you walked in the presence of God, if you had anointing, his anointing on your life, you did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Listen, guys, there must be a desire for us to pick up, pick up where the previous generation left off desiring the anointing that they had and even praying for a double portion. I'm going to read that again. There must be a desire for us to pick up where the previous generation left off, desiring the anointing that they had and even praying for a double portion. Let's pray really quiet. Just like Elisha's spirit coming upon Elisha, his Anointing, his spirit was passed on to Elisha, and Elisha desired that. Just like Moses passing on his anointing to Joshua, and Joshua desired that. I want to read that scripture. Numbers 18, 27, 18. The Lord replied, Take Joshua, he's talking to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. That's what we're going to do tonight. Lay your hands on him. 
Deuteronomy 34, verse 9. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed, doing just as the Lord commanded. Moses did something in the natural. He laid his hands on him, and something supernatural was imparted into Joshua's life. The laying on of hands is mentioned many times in the Bible, and I want to talk about that for a minute. Understand it. What is it? It's the transferring of God's anointing, His Spirit, from one person to the next. Guys, it's not a magic formula. It's not just a religious thing to do. It's, it's the person desiring God, we're going to do this in the natural, but Lord, I want your supernatural anointing, your spirit to come upon me. Lord, I am passionate about that. Lord, I desire that above anything else. Jesus laid his hands on people many times in his ministry. Mark 7, 31, Jesus left Tyre. It went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the ten towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay hands on the man and heal him. And Jesus did go and lay hands on him and pray for him, and he was healed. Are you willing to beg Jesus to come and to lay hands on you and impart something into you that was not there before? When we as Christians lay hands on someone and pray for them, it's not about what we do in the natural and it's not about who we are in the natural. It's the Jesus inside of us. It's God's Spirit inside of us that you share. It's nothing to do with the person. Acts 8, 18. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy his power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. I'll pay you. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part of this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Again. It's not a magic thing. It's not anything to do with the person. It's nothing to do in the, in the natural. But Paul said, our heart must be right with God and desire his anointing on our life. It's about leaving a legacy. Listen to me. It's about leaving a legacy and continuing that legacy. As Jesus laid hands on people and prayed for him, the Spirit came upon them. His spirit was imparted into them. We, as they laid hands on other people, 
Jesus, who Jesus was, was imparted into them as we're saved and we were laid hands on and prayed for. Jesus' spirit is imparted into us. And as we one day lay hands on others and pray for them, Jesus' spirit is imparted into them. You see what I'm saying? We're leaving a legacy. We're continuing a legacy of serving God, of operating in His anointing, of obeying His laws and His commandment. And we're passing that on and on again. Tonight I want to talk about, tonight I want to ask the Lord to fan into flames that anointing. I want to fan into flames our giftings. Fan into flames our passion. Fan into flames who we were called to be. 2 Timothy 1, 6. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power and love and of self-discipline. I've anointed you not to walk in fear, not to walk in shame, not to be crippled by Satan's tactics. I've anointed you to walk in power and love and self-discipline. Who wants that tonight? Say, I want to walk in power. I want to walk in confidence in Jesus. Christ. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet. Somebody can come grab the pulpit. Take it to the back. Thank you. If you desire a touch from God tonight, if you want His Spirit imparted into your life, I want you to come to the altar here in a few minutes. And we're going to do something in the natural. I'm going to lay hands on everyone. And I want you to pray for something supernatural to be imparted into you. I remember a few months ago, my dad laid hands on the, the youth leaders. And he prayed for them, for his spirit to be imparted into them, for God's spirit to be imparted into them. And tonight, I want to pray that our spirit be imparted into you and that you could one day have a double portion. I pray that you guys go places that we never do. I pray that you have just an anointing to preach, an anointing to encourage the body, an anointing just to evangelize at every opportunity that you have, that you remain righteous and holy, that you are even more pleasing to God than who we are. I pray for a double portion of our spirit upon you. And I know God wants to give it to you. He's anointed you for a reason, and we have to stand in that. We have to stand in our giftings. It's time for you to pick up your weapon. It may be the thing that you're most self-conscious about. That might be your gifting. I don't know. Or you may say, hey, I, I, God, I want to, I wish I could sing like so-and-so. And that's not your gifting. God said, no, that's not it. I want to be a preacher. That might not be it. Maybe you are called to preach, but maybe you're not. 
Maybe your gifting is to spread joy through his body. Maybe your gifting is to counsel others. Whatever it may be, God has given you a specific anointing. No one else can take it. No one else can use it. Pick up your sling tonight. Pick up your five stones and say, God, I'm confident in who I am. What we're going to do, I'm going to stand up here. And if that's your desire tonight, I want you to stand right here along the altar. I'm just going to briefly lay hands on you and pray for you. But what I want you to do is out of your mouth, I want you, like, just like blind Bartimaeus did, God, I want to see. I want you to say out of your mouth, God, I desire your anointing. God, I need this. God, I want that in my life. God, I'm tired of this in my life. I say no to it right now. As you're praying, pray for and against anything that you need in your life. Say it out of your mouth. Jesus knows, but he wants you to ask for it. He wants you to desire it. And what I want you to do after I pray for you, you can go ahead and make your way to the front. After I pray for you, just go ahead and make your way back to your seats. I want to make sure we get everybody, okay? I don't want to miss anybody. So if I pray for you, go back to your seat. But I want you to stay in a heart of worship. We're going to sing a song about fainting into flames. God's spirit. Amen. Let's play to get, pray together first. Lord, we invite your spirit into this place. And we say, God, take... Help us to take our eyes off of ourselves. More of you and less of me, God. And Lord, right now, all that's on our minds is our desire for more of your anointing. All that's on our minds right now is a desire to bring you glory through our giftings. To stop standing on the wayside in fear, but get in the battle. Get in the fight. Do what I was called to do. Lord, we give this night to you right now. And we pray that what we do in the natural here in just a moment, that there would be supernatural impartation. You guys can begin to play.